If you were looking for career advice from a career coach and he had led teams that have placed over 6,000 pros in 21 industries, worked at the largest Fortune 500 recruitment firm in the world, was responsible for over $50 million of placements of executives, and was one of the top recruiters recognized nationally while serving in the United States Army, you'd probably say he's qualified. This is the Executive Career Upgrades Podcast. Career competition is fierce. If you're a director, a VP, or an executive, this podcast is for you. This is the Executive Career Upgrades Podcast. And this is your host, Tim Madden. All right. Hey, welcome to the Executive Career Upgrades Podcast. My name is Tim Madden, one of the hosts here. And hey, if you don't know me, I help those targeting six figures or multiple six figures find jobs they love quickly. So, hey, we go live each week inside the Executive Career Network, which is the fastest growing career network on Facebook. Check us out. 9,000 members. Let me know if you're watching live in the ECN right now. Also, we're streaming live over to our friends on LinkedIn and on YouTube. And then we upload, of course, everywhere on the internet. Hey, do me a favor. I know you're going to get value today. And if you do, leave us a review over on iTunes or Spotify. It helps us out tremendously. And hey, before we get started with a special guest and a special show for you today, hey, congratulations to everyone in the ECU program who got hired. We got senior marketing directors, directors of operations at SaaS Company, and the C-suite at Procter & Gamble. So congrats to all the offers. And hey, as always, if you need help in your career, go on over to execupgrades.com backslash podcast. So let's get started with our topic today. And first, hey, congr- um, special guest, Evan Son. He's the chairman and CEO of Recruiter.com, an on-demand recruiting platform that combines AI and video job matching technology which with the world's largest network of small and independent recruiters. He's also a frequent contributor to CNBC, Yahoo Finance, demonstrates expertise in a variety of industries such as Wi-Fi, IM, data security, CRM, and much more. Without further ado, episode 55, The New World of Work. Hey, what recruiters and job candidates are seeing as we approach a post-COVID world. Evan, I've been talking for too long. Did I miss anything that would be valuable for the audience to know about you before we get started today? Uh, Father of three, married almost 28 years. So, you know, that's pretty cool. Uh, Thanks so much, Tim, for having me on your your podcast. And everybody should be going to uh, execupgrades.com. So like, as soon as I'm done here, man, I'm, I'm gonna do that too. You know, who doesn't wanna upgrade? But you know, I, I think what it really says, and we were, you know, and we were, we, you know, Tim and I were talking before the show. You know, the job mobility uh, has never been greater. And what does that mean? You know, a year ago, I gave a, a keynote at a conference, and I, I, and I talked about the job hopper economy, and I said, all right, you know, job hopper economy is here to stay. You know, every time we've had a macro event in the U.S. regarding the economy. Um, the labor markets adjusted, right from the 1970s, uh, where we started, uh, you know, uh, outsour- uh, again, uh, f- outsourcing factories, uh, Y2K, outsourcing IT, uh, the 90 recession, we started outsourcing BPO, uh, 2000 uh, hosted web services. You know, all these things have always caused a change in the overall job market, and it's never come back. Um, Actually, entrepreneurship, believe it or not, actually really took off in the 80s. 
because of the 1970s uh, recession, late 70s, early 80s, uh, 82, uh, people like Jeff Bezos saw either their parents or their friends' parents, you know, lose their jobs at big banks. No one ever lost their job before. And that's what really created entrepreneurship. Um, so there's always been these changes. And the reality now is it is so much more mobile. Uh, it's, it's so much easier to get a job now than ever before. And I think using a coach is going to help you figure out uh, how to get to the next level and how to move up to the next level. And I'm a firm believer, absolute firm believer, Tim. So, you know, you had me at hello. Yeah, um, it, it's hard to be successful with, with, without people surrounding you that have already been there and done that. Just like I said, whether it, it, it's doing something physical with your body or eating right or getting the sleep that you need. Absolutely. Hey, I wanted to circle back real quick before we got into the real topic. When you say job hopper, so many people see that difference because a couple of years ago, I feel yeah. like the word yes, job that's, hopper, why that's why I changed the word from job hopper to job mobility. There job you go. Sounds, job hopper sounds bad. Job mobile, job mobility sounds much better. But you know, the interesting thing is, um, I spent a couple of years out in Silicon Valley, and when you saw someone in Silicon Valley who had been at three or four companies in twelve years, you said, "Oh my God, that must be a super good software engineer." Mm -hmm. um, and I would probably ask you, uh, you know, if you saw a thirty-year-old. Uh, and let's move the clock back three years ago. You had a 30-year-old and you had their resume, 31. They've been out of college for 10 years and they've had one job for 10 years. Mm -hmm. So three, four years ago, you'd probably describe this person as loyal, steadfast, committed, you know, all those other terms. And if you saw that resume today, and again, you know, barring Google, McKinsey, Goldman Sachs, you know, barring a brand name, that, and you saw a 31-year-old who's been at the same company for 10 years, how would you describe that that candidate? Yeah. You'd probably say things like risk averse, stale, not interested in trying new things, et cetera. And what, what's incredible is that we all have so many more opportunities than ever before. And so this was happening. And so if all of a sudden now applying for a job, and I'm, I, I'm older than you, I, I look older than you. I look like twice older than you. I don't know what you do to yourself, but Tim, but you're, you know, you look like you're twice. It was younger. military for 22 years. That's right. it's all military. You know, yeah. when I was a kid, you know, applying for a job was you, you, you found really cool paper to put your mm -hmm. resume on. Like you got the yeah. good thick paper, not white, but like slightly off white. Um, uh, you know, you, you typed up a cover letter, or you, you, know, you sent in a cover letter, you mailed it in, et cetera. And if you applied to 10 jobs, you were considered a, a maniac, mm -hmm. right? 20, you were considered a lunatic. Yeah. Um, finding a job was considered a full-time job, right? What was interviewing? Interviewing was putting on a, if you're a guy, you know, putting on a suit, going to work, convincing your boss that you had to go to a funeral in the afternoon. You know, there's all this cloak and dagger. Um, What's applying for a job today? You know, they've made it so easy. It's it's yeah. as easy as buying shoes. Yeah. You know, click, 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 click. It's literally buying shoes. Um, and what's interviewing today? This, this is interviewing today, right? A video screen and I'm interviewing. So, so if it's easy to apply for a job than ever before, and if it's uh, incredibly easy to interview for a job, then what was keeping me at my present job was really the stigma of leaving a job. Yeah. So let me let me drill into something like really specific. Three years ago, if you saw a resume of someone who has had a job for six months and now they were interviewing for you, you would say, what a flake. 
I can't believe you only lasted six months. Mm -hmm. And if the person said, well, it just wasn't a good fit for me, you would still say three years ago, that's a, mm -hmm. you know, that I, I don't, that's not a reliable person. Now you'd probably say, wow, that's really brave of you that you recognize that it's not a good fit and you got out of there. Like really good kudos to you for recognizing really like yeah. what's happened. And what's happened is that we just don't care anymore. Right. We, we just, and again, I'm generalizing to prove a point, but like mm -hmm. job mobility is here to stay. And by the way, with a recession, think about what that does. You know, my interest rate goes up a little bit, or I need a little bit more money, or the company wants me to come in full time to the office and I don't want to. Well, I could just go find another job easily. I can mm -hmm. easily go find another job, assuming, um, you know, I, I'm assuming I'm cognizant of my value and my salary and all that other jazz. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because when we talked about this, I read recently, or it was maybe last year, that said the most successful people, predominantly at tech companies, are staying on average 1.7 years. They said successful yeah. people who are at the highest levels, it's 1.7 years. So it's just changed tremendously. What I do want to transition to now, because Tracy just commented in the chat, um, which I'll post here in a second, but walk, put your you know, you know expertise and thought into this. So what I have for you is the whole work from home thing. So 60% of corporate leaders now say, Hey, I would let my employees work from home occasionally. So 60% uh, by Gartner, right? They did a study. 60% said, Hey, it's okay. If my employees work at home, it doesn't really bother me. 49% said that they'd be okay on certain days. I work with a lot of people. You work with a lot of people. And Tracy just brought this up as well. Hey, what are you seeing with this whole work from home thing? And he said, you know, no one wants to report to the office. They have to invest in real estate, all of these things. So what is your take? Because what I'm seeing, Evan, is almost everyone wants to work from home. I don't know where this 30, 50%, everyone I talk to is almost 95%. Yeah, yeah. you know, so look, I, I think that before all this happened, right, mm -hmm. we were still talking about the efficacy of remote work right? You asked to work from home one day a week and you got all this. I don't know. I don't know. Don't tell anyone. It's really a problem. And now we're not talking about remote work. We're talking about like, how often should I actually come into the office? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the interesting thing is that every company now gets to figure out what they want to be. Yeah. And I think that's really the exciting part. You know, I heard a podcast a couple of months ago and they were asking the CEO, like, what sort of culture and all this other stuff? And he goes, look, I, I built a culture of engineers that want to come to the office, code, get their work done, and go home. We don't have beer parties. We don't have ice cream parties. We're not high-fiving each other. And, and I, I found it very refreshing, right? Because you get to decide the company that you want to have. Um, and whether that's JP Morgan saying, we're going to force everyone back in the office. And that's all because right. they want to make sure that that the new generation of bankers are properly trained and all those mm -hmm. other things. And yet there's, you know, Shopify that says work from anywhere. I don't really care. Yeah. And neither one's right and neither one's wrong, but they finally get to decide the culture that they want to have. And there's something, there's something very nice about that. The other thing that we have to recognize is that history will say, gee, it was easier to churn people when they were working remotely than when they were working, you know, in the office. And, and by the way, one of the predictions that we made earlier in the year is that this work from home 
right? Uh, sorry, work from anywhere would actually morph into hire from anywhere, right? Because reality is, I don't even know where you're living right now, Tim. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. It don't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter to me at all. So, is it make a difference whether you are in? Where are you, by the way? Where are you physically located? Southwest Florida. So you're um, in Southwest Florida. Does it make a difference whether you're in Southwest Florida or in Argentina? No. Does not know. It doesn't make a difference. So if if we're loud, and and uh, this is really a corporate thing, right? So companies who you know a year ago were terrified of people quitting, terrified, and so they were overpaying people, they were overraising people, they were just allowing things to happen left and right. And again, I'm generalizing. Now they're being more realistic. Hey, you know what? I I can't just do that. I got to level set my company. I got to make sure I have the right people in the right roles. And I got to prioritize, you know, what, what roles do we want to have in person? What are we going to allow to be remote? Um, what are going to be hybrid? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We'll kind of transition now to another thing I wanted to talk about. Right people, right role, right? How many times do you hear that? Everyone you work with need to find the right people, the right people, the right people. But it seems like almost no one's process gets people excited about their mission, their value, their culture, what to expect. And the job descriptions aren't the same as the hiring managers, the lag, to all of these different things. Yeah. I get it. All these companies want to do this, but they're they're struggling with if you're hiring remote, like most people are, you're going to put a post up. And Evan, we both know in the next three days, you're probably going to have 3000 people apply, which is probably why you're Software probably helps companies more because it's so overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to yeah. do with 3,000 applications for a job that pays 70K? You're not, who has yeah. time? No, I, I, look, I agree. I, I think what's really interesting, and, and you got a lot of, there's a lot of stuff in that question. So let, let's double click on, on two elements of it. You know, uh, one of our clients, they put an ad up on LinkedIn for a paralegal mm-hmm. and they got a thousand people applying, none yeah. of whom were actually paralegals. Yep. So the reality is, you know, I'm going to call it the Zappos effect, right? I I might coin that, by the way, the Zappos effect. What's the Zappos effect? The Zappos effect is I ordered a dozen pair of shoes. Yeah. I tried them all on. Some look really good in the photo, but I just ordered them all. What's the difference? And I'm sending them all back. Yep. Or I'm I'm, it's the Zappos effect. Yeah. And so I see a job and I'm just going to apply, 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 apply. Mm -hmm. And there's... You know, how do you stop that? So part of what we're doing as a company is providing things like we have a shortlist service, you know, and we'll make that available to your audience with a promo code uh, for exact upgrades. If anyone's interested in hiring, it's a shortlist where, you know, our software and team will basically provide you a shortlist of 10 candidates in 10 days that align with what you're looking for and are interested in the opportunity. So, you know, it's, it's doing... You don't want to do it yourself. You want someone else to do it for you, but you don't want to pay a headhunter fee. That's what we actually do it, with shortlist. So we do that really, really well. That's huge. That That's the most time-consuming part oh, yeah. of it. Is- you know, what's funny is if you use a headhunter, and again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, poo-poo headhunters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day here, again, I'm not talking about very high-level executive roles. Yeah, yeah. If you're sure. using a headhunter, they would do what you would do, right? They would you know, go on LinkedIn, post up jobs, collect them and give you a short list and say, Hey, Tim, here are the 10 people we want you to interview. Go. And and by the way, when you interview them, then you're going to pay me 20% or 30% of the salary. I'm like, but I, you know, thank you for doing all the work, but like, 
you know, the, the analogous of it is really we use an appointment setting firm to set up appointments, mm-hmm. right? And we pay $300 for a qualified, you know, for an appointment, mm-hmm. right? Well, why wouldn't I pay $300 for a qualified candidate that's interested in the opportunity also? I'm not paying the appointment setter commission, right? They're not mm-hmm. getting a commission. If we close the deal, well, I'm doing that or the sales team is doing that. So I, I definitely think that there's this massive audience of people applying for jobs. Yeah. You know, and, and here's really interesting. And, and look, your audience is a much more, you know, knowledge worker you know, mm-hmm. level. So there was a statistic that I saw that 70% of all jobs are through a are through a referral or a recruiter. Absolutely. So what that really means that if you're just putting up your resume on, you know, if you're just posting to, to whatever, you got a 30% chance of actually getting picked. And I, I think that's actually high. Um, so do your homework, you know, work the system properly, leverage other people, find the people on LinkedIn, you know, if you're if you're doing this alone, or use a coach to help you out to figure those things out there. Exactly. So we got a question from the audience too. We'll switch to um, try to make some. Eric said, hey, in your opinion and insight, how many companies are merging and being acquired? I know this may be a little off topic. Well, departments are being downsized. And there are some redundancies, 100% reality, which management is addressing in terms of those. So companies, you know, what? what's your opinion on how companies are being, you know, the mergers yeah. and acquisitions? And he has a, a, a second part, you know, where are these people going? Startups, do you see them starting their own business? So maybe, have you seen a lot of companies doing mergers and acquisitions? I know. Yeah, so the part of the problem is um, I'm going to be on CNBC in two weeks. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm, I think I'm going to use the term, the great hesitation Yeah. when it comes to the job market. We're seeing like, really, maybe we'll use that. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I think that the IPO market is so dry. It's so dry. So if you're a company and you are, gen, you know, if you're, if you're a startup company and you're generating profit, you're okay. If you're a startup company and you're almost at profitability, you might be okay. But if you're a startup company and you're burning cash and you don't have enough runway, you got to figure out what to do. And so M&A is going to be pretty high, you know, for the rest of the year and into next year. And whenever you have M&A, merger and acquisition, you know, the companies look for synergies pretty, pretty quickly. You know, I, I am relieved and, and I forget who, uh, Eric, I think was the name. Yeah, the question. Right. So, you know, I am relieved every time I see people getting laid off, they're getting hired really quickly. You know, Coinbase is a famous story, famous, like recently Coinbase laid off, like, I don't know, a couple of hundred people. And like someone actually reached out to like interview someone a week later and they were all gone. Like, yeah. Everybody was well, gone. I tell you what, I saw Snapchat on my LinkedIn yeah. feed. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of crazy. They're promoting it. And we clicked in there and I was like, these are a lot of people with some highly valuable skills who would not take these people. That's right. And so yeah. people are getting picked up really, really quickly. Um, so that's good. You know, the challenge, Eric, is that in this, you know, overhiring that really took place earlier this year, right? So companies really overhired. I, I actually said that on CNBC. I, I said companies were stocking up on employees like we were stocking up on Purell, you know, or, and they expected massive growth. So the challenge there is that, and again, I'll just use numbers just for argument's sake, someone that I ordinarily would have paid $80,000 to. I actually paid that person $90,000 to come work mm-hmm. for me because I needed to, I needed that person. I needed, needed, needed. So the problem is 
Now I need to lay someone off. I'm going to go lay off that $90,000 person because I overhired that person. The challenge is that person actually thinks they're worth $90,000. Yeah. The reality yeah. is they were probably at best worth 80,000. So there's going to have to be this internal reset of, gee, you know, I know I made a lot of money for that period of time, but now I got to, I got to change my expectations because things are going to change there. Um, so I'm glad. Eric, I think that answers your question. I, yeah. I hope. Career capital is a new term that I reading a book called the startup of you by actually the co-founder of LinkedIn. And this goes into kind of a question from Thomas who has the power, Evan? I want you to kind of think of this. Hey, is this the employees, the employers? Or do you think when we talk about career capital, capital is like, hey, how good are you as an employee? What are your accomplishments and achievements? Or maybe the notoriety of the company? What are your thoughts on this? Yeah, so my thought first is, thanks, Thomas. You know, we, I grew up in an either or world, you know, Sony or Betamax, HBO mm -hmm. or Showtime, uh, Coke or Pepsi. You know, um, we live in an and uh, we live in an, in an and both world, right? So, you know, is the power shifting back to the employers? Sure, in some cases, mm -hmm. uh, if you are a uh, a factory worker, it's you have the power now. Yeah. Right? So, you know, it really depends on the 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 industry. You know, the the most interesting thing is that the unemployment is at three point seven percent. Now, again, you know. I don't want to opine on macro levels and I, and I, it's, it pains me when I see people who want to work out of work. Um, but that's a pretty low, that's a pretty low number. You know, it's a, it's a fairly, excuse me, it's a fairly low number. Um, and you know, still 11 million jobs on ZipRecruiter, you know, mm -hmm. so all the things are actually happening, you know, really at a, a very, very, very fast pace. So do employers have, uh, the right of way. The answer is they have the right of way if they want employers, employees to follow what they want. Right. But if you're an employer and I'm only going to allow, I'm only going to hire people that come into the office five days a week, I'm, I'm going to get a different talent pool than someone who doesn't want that. Right. If my office is in, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, and I'm running a AI firm that does, you know, agricultural AI, I'm making it up in Cleveland, Ohio. I want to say, I want to have the best salesperson, but they have to come into the office. I'm only going to get the best salesperson in Cleveland, Ohio, that knows how to sell AI for agricultural technology. You know, it's, it's yeah. a much more limiting. So, you know, the, the other thing I'd probably say is, you know, the best always get to dominate, right? You know, mm -hmm. the, the best people, the, the, and I, you know, I think you were like, that's really your model there is, you know, how do we make you better at what you're doing? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, that really is, you know, how do you find the better you, because the better that you are in what you're doing, uh, the more valuable you are. And, and I think, Thomas, you know, the best way to think about this is, you know, everybody in this country is more valuable than they were, you know, two years ago, three years ago. The restaurant worker, the factory worker, the Java developer, because someone out there is willing to pay you more money than before. Now, by the way, don't discount that some people want to go into an office. They, they, there was some yeah. other statistic, you know, 40% of someone's friends were from the office. Like people like that. So they, they want to have that connect, you know, they want to have that connectivity. Um, so it really depends, you know, to say it I, now, if we're going to make this uh, a statistic, we're going to say, yes, the power is shifting away from employees over to employers. It hasn't shifted all the way, but it, it's certainly moving in that direction. But, you know, 4.1 million people quit their jobs in July. 
right? That's a crazy, can you imagine that? That trend has been month over month. It's been very extremely high. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll give you a great statistic. So I'll ask you a question then. Um, If you look at the quit rate of July 22 Mm -hmm. over July 21, right? So a year ago, think about where we are now. I got a war in the Ukraine. I got gas prices through the roof. I got inflation. I got recession. You know, I got everything going on, right? What is the percentage difference of people that quit in July 21 from July uh, from July 22 over July 21? Not sure. I don't remember the, the percent that was leaving every month, the workforce. Was it like 4%? But I would think last year that it would be lower, but that would just be a guess on mine because I think we were just still coming out of the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. And I think so, a lot of people were scared. So and now it people are realizing it's easier to get jobs. 2%. 2%. Yep. 2% fewer people quit their jobs in July 22 than July 21. So yeah. here you are a year after all this stuff started happening with a recession, with all these things and only 2% less, less quit. Like mm-hmm. you would think that no one's going to quit. Why yeah. would anyone quit their job? And the answer is that it's just so easy. You know, job mobility is there. Yeah. And as long as there's job mobility, Tim, I think you're going to still see a very, very changing work mark, uh, changing work landscape. So one of the predictions that we made, and I blog about this once a month, so you could check it out on LinkedIn, is we predicted that the U.S. economy will spend $50 billion more in 22 on talent acquisition than it did in 2019. And it's actually very, very simple math. Uh, the average cost to hire an employee, non-executive employee, so this is even lower than expectations, is $4,425. That Google, what does it cost to hire someone in the US? It's $4,425. That's put out by a bunch of people. It includes marketing, advertising, all that other stuff. And if you look at the number of people being hired in 22, greater than what were hired in 2019 because of the great resignation and the job mobility. So far, it's like $36 billion more already. Like it's crazy. Like mm-hmm. the amount of money being spent more. And this is going to now have a very serious effect on corporate America. Yeah. So I always tell people, hey, if you're good at what you do, everyone always, hey, how's the market right now? How's always this? I always kind of put the question back in, back on them saying, hey, are you really good at what you do? Because I feel like if you're a LeBron James or a Steph Curry or a good football player, hey, if your contract, you know, you're never going to have a problem getting another contract. So I think, you know, a good tip for people is, hey, always be investing in yourself too. Last question I have for you. I'm seeing and I'm reading, Evan, Based on new roles in different industries. So here's what I got for you. In October 2021, the share of employees changing roles was up 25%. 25% of people are going into new roles, taking the, their skills into new roles, up 25% since the pandemic. The other thing is we're also seeing that workers are more likely now to transition into even new industries before. And I'm seeing this a lot with the people that I work with. Any insight on new people going into new roles or new industries? Um, pretty interesting, the influx you know, in so high. So one of the things that we track monthly is uh, candidate priorities. Mm-hmm. So again, we, we do that by asking the candidates, you know, what are your priorities? Duh. You know, and what, and look, I grew up in a world where money, 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 right? You know, no problem can't be solved without cash. 
Um, but you're thinking, you know, candidates now are looking for new experiences, quality of life. And why not? You know, why not take a year or two and do something really, really different and interesting? Um, why, why not? Uh, I think the other thing that's happened from the pandemic is I, I think that we've lowered our expectations for, you know, spend. Mm-hmm. Right. It's OK. I'm not going to order in. I'm not going to eat out three nights a week. I'll only eat out one night a week. That's OK. Life's good. Yeah. Right. By the way, I'll give you a good example. Look at the RVing market now. The RV market is through the roof. Why? You know what? I, I don't have to go fly to Mexico. For yeah. a week. I'll go take an RV and go drive someplace. Yeah. And it's it's pretty amazing that that the we're, we're you know, in my day, I took off. I have three kids and I took off three days for their births. Three, yeah. three days. And now you have people saying, look, uh, I get paternity leave, right? I'm taking off three weeks for paternity leave. I'm like, what? But I'm jealous. Mm-hmm. I, I am, uh, Tim, I'm jealous of someone who is prioritizing life over work. Yeah. I, I just, I'm, I'm absolutely fundamentally jealous of someone who could just say, I'm turning things off. I love it. I, I wish I could do it. So I can't, not, I can't do it either. I'm on vacation for two days and I'm like, Hey, I'm ready to get back to work, but that's just who I am. You know, I, I, yeah, I go away with my wife on some Island and I'm like starting a factory there, like to help the unemployed people there, you know, like, yeah. Hey, you guys, you should make banana chips like that. You know, next thing you know, I'm like, you know, involved in those things, but it's, it's, it's really fascinating that, um, we just have so many more opportunities and, I, and I'll tell you something else. The other thing that no one is really weighing into this right now is overseas companies hiring U.S. talent also. Yep. So it's going to be very, very interesting as talent now becomes a global thing, right? You know, why you were limited again, you know, how many- We just hired someone in London. Were you U.S. based? That's right. How many times did you see a job you know, in your career, that was just geographically undesirable. A, a million times. Yep. So think about it. It doesn't exist anymore, right? Because anyone that wants to hire Tim, this goes back to Thomas's question, right? Anyone that wants to hire you, Tim, is going to hire you. And by the way, even if they are 100%, I put, you know, mm-hmm. quotes, we are 100% in the office full time. But if I want Tim, I'll give a carve out for Tim. Right. So let's not let's not let, let's not uh, let's not uh, think for a moment that when Apple says everyone's coming back to the office, they haven't said, oh, except for you, you're OK where you are. Right. Yeah. They're not getting rid of their best fill in the blank. They're just not doing that. No. Why would you? This just goes right. to prove the point of if the number one salesperson in the organization, why do you want them in an office for the time when? Yeah, it just really doesn't make sense. Well, Evan, thank you for showing up and being so gracious with your time today. What I want to do as we wrap up is um, ask you, where can people follow you at? What's your best platform? And number two, tell us a little bit about what you do so we can direct some people to see if there might be a fit there. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be on the execupgrades.com website right after this. You bet. Um, It's uh, Evan uh, at recruiter.com. Nice and simple. So E-V-A-N at recruiter.com. Um, we do uh, everything regarding uh, talent acquisition. So we help companies large and small uh, source, find, hire talent. 
you know, from, uh, you know, uh, one to a thousand people really across the board, real, really reinventing the way that companies of all sizes find talent. So we have different offerings around our software, around our on-demand recruiting. We have fractional recruiters. So if you're trying to hire someone or for your company and, uh, you know, you don't want to hire a full-time recruiter, you want a recruiter 10 hours a week, we do that all the time. So think about, you know, you have an accountant helping you do your taxes. They're not your full-time accountant. They're actually your fractional controller, right? Mm-hmm. You pay them by the hour, you know, they do their work for you. And we, we see yeah. that really evolving from a talent acquisition perspective. So lots of things happening. If you have any challenges in talent acquisition, uh, feel free to reach out to me. We've got a team of people uh, that will uh, assist you. Uh, our clients range from Zoom, Pfizer, Moody's, you know, lots of companies, startups, technology companies, media companies, healthcare companies, you know, you name it, we do it. And uh, Tim, really, thank you so much for having me on your on your podcast. No problem. Thank you so much. Hey, if you have hiring needs, right, and you've been struggling, no matter what department you're in, please email evan at recruiter.com. Evan, thank you so much. As always, hey, as we wrap up, if you need help in your career, go on over to execupgrades.com backslash podcast. Until next week, have a great day.